Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Comic books aren't for kids anymore. We've heard the refrain for years in mainstream media, but 30 seconds at the end of a newscast or two paragraphs in a magazine can't provide the behind-the-scenes information or entertainment like one episode of Word Balloon. Welcome to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. This is John Suntress. Word Balloon is a one-on-one interview program featuring pop culture conversations with storytellers. People who don't read today's comic books may think the medium is still being written for nine-year-olds, but as film, television, and video game producers can tell you, they couldn't be more wrong. These writers and artists are just as entertaining talking about their process as they are producing the stories they make. Listen to a sample episode and discover why Word Balloon leads the way in pop culture entertainment coverage. Check out an episode of Word Balloon for yourself. We're at iTunes under Word Balloon, W-O-R-D-B-A-L-L-O-O-N, or at our website, wordballoon.com. the bone bat podcast where you can listen to steve and gord it's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore behind this door a dark entity evil ancient and hungry Circle the planet, low orbit, terrestrial transmitter on, I record it, solar power on the panel, absorb it, sun shines brighter as I move right toward it, see the mothership off in the distance, and another ship leaving the instance, I don't want to be the guy with the Winstons, I gotta be the guy with the missions, shuttle slows to a crawl, behemoth of a ship like three miles tall, 20 miles wide, wonder what the fuck's inside, what kind of science make the ship ride, Doc in the bay, the plants engage, gravity generator enable, no floating away, take on my seatbelt, and exit the mini crab, time to pilot the battleship to any pad, these are the voyages of our ship, flying through space on an asteroid trip, got a backwards up in my lips, and a handful of nobble up in my fist, these are the voyages of our ship, flying through space on an asteroid trip, got a backwards Tucked in my lips and a handful of novel up in my fist. My orders up on a communicator, decrypt them with a secret key of SP. A red suit got the fuel OG. Cushion, he's on his way to rendezvous. Anytime I do a mission of this nature, there's nobody like the major. Got it? Got it. Badge on the chest, say commander, number one spammer. Like the lunar lander, take a gander. Empty white boat interior, staircase leading to a ten by ten bridge. In the center of the square, sit a desk and a chair and a panel with a singular knob. It's my job. Terminus, the only control that I need to get my space on that rock and roll. Rotate the dial clockwise and the label on the dial say nice. Surprise! These are the voyages of our ship. Fly through space on an asteroid trip. Got a backwards up in my lips and a handful of knob all up in my fist. These 
of the voyages of our ship. Fly through space on an asteroid trip. Got a backward tucked in my lips and a handful of novel up in my fist. So I pull up in my Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 63 of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? It's going. It's going. I'll tell you, though, I just, I just came back from a uh, Boy Scouts of America-type ceremony. Yes. No, I wasn't looking for a date. <laughs> Sick bastard. Uh, no, because my one of my kids in Scouts, and it was, it was this ceremony, this great, solemn thing, and... Why in the hell are the Boy Scouts still doing this Native American Indian motif? It's, it's like a room a room in suburbia full of a bunch of white people. And then one blue-eyed blonde Aryan kid dressed up in a full-on Native American getup with the feathers and the leather and, and all this stuff. And, and he's, he's a Kila, you know, he's like this mystical leader ceremonial. And... It's embarrassing. It's just like, oh, really? Really? We still got to do that? That's what the hell? It's embarrassing to me. I don't, do you, how do you feel about that? I, I don't know. I guess it gets us in touch with our country's roots in some way, correct? And I guess. I mean, we're, it's, in the, it's like this guy and he's, he's like, his last name is probably Schmittendorf or something. He's like clearly not Native American. <laughs> And it, and he's just wearing this like this facsimile of what maybe white people think a Native American getup would be in a church multi-purpose room, and you know nothing against the church, but when it comes to the Native Americans, the church was a little bit hard on them. Probably, you know, the only thing tougher was smallpox. What the fuck? Well, it's I mean, probably good that you weren't pointing this out during your son's ceremony. Yeah, no, I just bit my lip and went. Yeah, that's, that's you know, I looked at really that, then I looked over at the electric fake campfire that was also sitting on the linoleum floor of the church multi-purpose room. Yeah, that's probably all you can do. <laughs> yeah, so Boy Scouts of America. Well, I'm glad you made it out. So, dude, I am too. Without causing a scene, yeah. that's the important part. We have a packed show. First of all, the music you're listening to is the tune "These Are the Voyages" by Whitey Cracker. God, you know it'd be cool. It would be so freaking cool if we ever got that guy on the show. We actually have an interview with him that we did what, just what, what? moments ago. So there's that. On top of that, I spent the weekend at Emerald City Comic Con 2011, and I got five interviews with some of my favorite comic creators, some great conversations to share with the listeners. So I'm really excited about this show, despite the fact that I feel like chop dog shit. Chop <laughs> Chopped or hammered? I'm not sure. I was great, and I I came back with some kind of a con thing. And now I've got the hacking Sumatran rat cough, and it's fucked up. Damn. Can we just bring it down a notch? Because you know what's fucked up? Speaking of cough, I saw Man or Astro Man. Yeah. And they were great. And then like two weeks later, I get the news that Victor Vector of Man or Astro Man got a cough, got pneumonia, Got a staph infection in his lungs. Oh, shit. And his lungs don't work. And he's like, machines are breathing for him. Some earth virus got him. And he's in a bad way. So my thoughts are to Victor Vector and his family. And I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best, man. Because you rocked it when I saw you. And damn, I hope this planet does not bring you down. 
Well, thanks. Now you fucking scared the shit out of me. Okay. That's so delightful. Don't push it. If you're feeling really shitty, stay away from a hospital where you can get a staph infection in your lungs. <laughs> All right. Well, let's listen to an interview. This is John Lehman, the creator of Chew. One of my favorite comics. All right, this is Steve from the Bone Bash Show, and I'm here with John Lehman, creator of the Eisner Award-winning comic book, Chew. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Hello, Internet. Hello, world. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on the Bone Bash Show. Sure, 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 sure. I gotta say, when I first read Chew, it was one of the most original things I had read. How did you get the idea for this? I mean, if you could tell our listeners a little bit what the comic's about. At its heart, the, the simple, the, you know, the Hollywood quote, it's uh, about a detective who gets psychic impressions from what he eats. So he goes to uh, crime scenes and has to chew on dead bodies. So it's, it's cannibal detective with a, with a good cause. But it's also um, a very food-centric book. And every, um, not just a cannibal, every character, every story arc, everything uh, sort of revolves around food. And it's a food-based crime comic. And there's never been one of those before. Oh, and what, what I love about it is the fact that it's that universal. I mean, we're not all going to fight crime, but we're all going to eat. Yeah. And, you know, when you think of, like, real-world horrors, if you eat something nasty, that sticks with you so long. One of the funny things was I, I had, you know, like all, all writers trying to come up with something, a whole bunch of ideas. And they all seem like Saturday Night Live sketches. They're like, oh, here's a... Oh, they... they bird flu and they outlawed chicken. Oh, that's funny, but how long can you tell that joke? Right. Oh, here's a... a a food writer who writes so good you can taste it but okay what can you do with it and then I realized I got all these ideas and they're all revolving around food and suddenly I took all these sort of lame ideas unified them and it became a very rich universe it really is and that's what I dig about the comic is that you know it's got vampires it's got conspiracies it's got cybernetics it's got a great cop story it has all these great things that you fit in this package and on top of it it's hilarious yeah you know I um don't like how serious some comic most too many comic books are and i wanted a a comic book that i wanted to read Mm -hmm. and i don't take my stuff too so you know there's poop jokes i mean there's there's a lot of different kinds of humor and i that that's very liberating because i can write very different kind of issues like every issue is funny but sometimes in a in a way different way and sometimes it's more overt sometimes it's more lowbrow sometimes you don't get it for a while uh sort of as as a humorist I like to have a lot of fun with it. Now, had you had you worked with Rob Guillory before, and did Nobody you realize how well he was going to pull off the humorous no. side of the comic? We we this thing wasn't supposed to be a hit because I had pitched it all over the place. Nobody wanted it, and I finally I believed in it. I had transitioned from comic books to video games on a long term assignment, but I knew it was going to end, and so I told my wife, "I'm taking this money. Nobody will do my stupid." bird flu cannibal book but i'm gonna fund it we'll get five issues out of it maybe a trade if we're lucky and then i'll be able to show it to editors hey no one read my stupid bird flu book but Mm -hmm. it's kind of good can you give me work and then against all expectations it blew up but when i first approached rob we we had a a contract which when i say contract there's no lawyers it's just you know handshake and you Mm -hmm. know you write everything down for five issues because it couldn't possibly go beyond five issues and rob hadn't done anything major before and you, you work with a lot of unknown artists and you know as soon as, as soon as they get a chance they you know start disappearing and the excuses start and they, they slow down or they're not so good and Rob stepped up to the plate and this kid is a pro and he he works so hard and he's so good and he's constantly you know I, I have the perfect partner and uh, 
like the art style is perfect for the tone of the book and uh he had been told his whole career to draw like this person draw like that person and uh i told him draw like yourself you know i want a book that's that's gross but you're laughing yeah he has a very cartoony style and i wanted it to be fun and he's just he's a dream come true so i can only assume from reading the comic that you've got to be a foodie yourself no no but my wife is oh okay Uh, my wife is and it's weird because you know you go to comic book conventions and you talk to nerds about comic books and you know movies and sci-fi and stuff and I go out with my wife and her friends and they're talking about you know apricot glazes and stuff like that every like, bit is nerdy you guys are as weird as us but you have your whole different language and things you're into and and that was certainly a, an influential factor when I went to to Paris with her and another girl who just loved wine and food and they were just you know they were like four-year-olds at Disneyland <laughs> <laughs> All right, but man. I'm not, I could eat Taco Bell every day and be, uh, you know, happy. But that being said, I could also eat her food. She's, I mean, she's a gourmet cook and pretty freaking good. Well, I guess that's kind of the difference between, like, being, I guess, a foodie and then a gourmand, right? Yes, just yes. a person who loves food overall. Yeah. Very cool. Well, the last thing I'll ask you, what we always ask all of our guests on the Bone oh Bat Show, God, what, pisses what pisses you off, man? Well, I'm going to go with Republicans because that's all I've got. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much Arizona Republicans uh, or Arizona politics right now pisses me off. And I live in Arizona and uh, it's a horrible place politically. (laughs) It's just getting crazier and crazier. And I'm watching America turn into idiocracy. You know, there's more and more comic creators moving to Seattle all the time. Just saying. Oh, did you? I did not know that. See, that's my problem is I lived here for six years. I love Seattle with all my heart. But then I moved for this video game job. It was it was too good to be true. The video game job ended. My wife said, "Well, we move back to Seattle. You hadn't hit. You get a job, or we move to Phoenix, where she's got a bunch of family, and you don't have to get a job." And I'm like, "Ooh, I'll take the not work option." Uh, and then Chew hit. I'm like, "Why didn't I say Seattle?" Don't. Now I got to say something to the listeners. Uh, I just saw the greatest movie, which is The Good, the Bad, and the Weird. Oh, really? I haven't heard of this one. Who's the director? A Korean guy who did Two Sisters and one of the Three Extremes, and it's a it's a Korean remake of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly with nonstop Indiana Jones style action, and it is it's there's a 20 minute chase in the desert with horses and machine guns and motorcycles, and it's set in Japanese occupied China featuring Koreans, Koreans, and it's, it's just bonkers. And it's the best thing I've seen in ages. That sounds amazing. Well, it's streaming on Netflix, so you got no, no even better. Yeah, there's no excuse. Press a button and watch this great movie. All right, man. Well, thank you very much for joining us and continued success. I wish you the best. Thanks for having me. All right, once again, thank you to John Lehman for the interview. What a great guy. He is a great guy. So, dude, dude, what pisses you off? <laughs> you know what pisses me off? It is the just spectacular ignorance of the masses when it comes to natural. Here's the thing. In England, they had this ice cream that they were going to start selling made out of human breast milk called Baby Gaga. I did hear about this. You, you heard about this. Yes. It, it was news for a while. What, I mean, what the hell? And, and it was pushed as like, well, breast milk is one of the healthiest, most natural things in the world. You shouldn't be afraid of this breast milk ice cream. It's, you know, what do you think your first weeks of your life were spent, you know, it's nourishing. It's like, Here's the thing, people. Just because it's natural does not mean it's good for you. It pisses me off that people can't get their heads around the fact. The, the idea that you are 
paying money to consume bodily fluids from total strangers. That doesn't seem wrong to you? That doesn't seem remotely unhealthy and dangerous just because it's natural? You know what else is natural? Sharks. Sharks are natural. Okay? They are not good for you. They are dangerous. You know what? Leprosy. All natural. Natural. You don't want it. Yeah, leprosies are completely organic, right? Yeah. You know this cough that you got? This, yeah. this deadly throat virus thing you've got? Yeah, that's natural. That is not an artificial, that is not a, a cheap plastic piece of shit made in Taiwan that just lodged in your throat, I'm guessing. Right, like, but, I don't know, maybe you know, the, the counter-argument, just to play devil's advocate, not that I believe this, but the counter-argument to that would be that, well, at least human milk is going to be better for you than the enzymes from some bovine. Yeah, but the enzymes from some bovine have been pasteurized, whereas human milk that's not pasteurized could have freaking hepatitis. Which well, is also they, natural. they've got to. Do you know this? They they must pasteurize it, right? I didn't read anything about it being pasteurized. That's that's jacked up. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> ah, poop. Human poop is natural. <laughs> I don't want it in my ice cream. Okay, I think we get it. <laughs> what pisses you off? Okay, I, I've got a little story to tell. About so three bad brothers. You at work, so well. at my work, I work for a book wholesaler, and at my work, there's this one big room with glass kind of separating. There's a bunch of windows, and it's the room where we set up when big authors come to the warehouse to sign stock for us. And so we'll take a bunch of books, like you know, four or five hundred books, and set them in this room. And so recently, Brian Greene, who's the author of uh, Hidden Realities, like one of the greatest physics minds going today. Yes. And he uh, came to my work to sign inventory, which we'll turn around and then sell to, you know, other bookstores. So my job is to get the room ready for the signing. So I get all the books out. I, you know, flap them so that they open right up to the page that he'll want to autograph on. And then while he's working, I'll talk to him and I'll, you know, box the books up as he's done. And so you kind of have like a, you know, a sort of assembly line setup where you've got a whole bunch of flapped books and then you t- the, on the table and then you have like the boxes lined up ready to go. So the guy's sitting there and he's signing books and he, we've got like 500 books there. And I'm wearing, you know, weather in Seattle lately has been kind of damn cold. So I'm wearing like a T-shirt and a button down and then my fleece over that. And so as I'm working... I start sweating like only a fat man can sweat. <laughs> fat nickel-sized droplets are oh, pouring off of my head. I'm trying to not sweat on the books. I'm trying not to sweat on the table. I'm trying not to sweat on him, but I have to keep working. There's no way out of it. So I like take off my I unzip my fleece, take that off, and it's still just an absolute mess. And I keep sneaking away and grabbing like a roll of paper towels and blotting my head with it. <laughs> It's the most fucked up, disgusting thing. I felt I was just so embarrassed. Did you walk back into the room naked eventually? I must have sweated like a gallon. I mean, it was just nasty. You know, and like a drop would hit pow on the table. And I like kind of surreptitiously wipe it with my hand off the table. (laughs) Oh, don't mind that. I just uh, feed. And then some of the books. Yeah, I'm packing, boxing the books up. And there's like drops of sweat on. Oh, dude, just brutal. So, yeah, my body pisses me off. That was fucked up. So then... Patrick Rothfuss comes by to sign stock last week. And so I I learned my lesson, man. I am going to dress for success. So I dressed down. I wore less clothing. I got all the books ready so I would have to move stuff less far. Same goddamn thing. Not as bad, 
But I was still sweating like a pig in that room. Maybe you should wear an outfit made out of a sham wow. God damn. That's so embarrassing. Totally pissed me You need to sweat. Maybe if you just take a like a stick of uh, antiperspirant. And don't just hit your armpits with it. But like your forehead, your chest, you, the, you know, underside of your ball sack. The whole thing. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit more about uh, Emerald City Comic Con? Let's do that. So, you know, it was, again, a great show. I went uh, Saturday and Sunday. went two days. You got a press pass? I did. Okay. And it's always such a great con because it's so comic-centric. You don't necessarily have the diversion of the movie stuff, you know, like you do at San Diego. And that kind of makes it feel just a little more pure in a way. Um, yeah. But it has the, the, you know, star firepower that it has is just really, really good. I mean, the, the quality of the creators that are there and the people that show up. I mean, Shatner was there. Will Wheaton, of course most of the great creators that you could think of. And so it was just really cool to spend some time, especially talking with a number of the creators for the show. And I had a great time. The atmosphere is so creative. It's so cool to be walking down an aisle and seeing artists creating this amazing art, you know, and just watching their technique for a few minutes and seeing how they do it, knowing, wow, you know, it would take just so long to figure out that sort of technique. It's a very cool thing. I love watching actual artists work. Because I am not one. I am a scribbler at best. But, uh, yeah, watching real artists, like, book, 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 lay down some pencil and ink, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And one of the cool things that I saw, this is the first time I think I've actually seen this, was podcasts having their own booths. Oh, my God. Comic Geek Speak had a booth. Backroom Comics had a booth. That was fucking cool. That is cool. I'd love Kinda to have squeaked a, when I said that. That I'd, is cool. I'd love to have a bone bat booth. That'd yeah. be awesome. I want a bone bat booth in my garage. <laughs> you may have one because that we'll have to have, put it somewhere during the off con season. Yeah, we'll, we'll have the like NorCal Gord's Garage con. But you know, one of the not so awesome things about the con was, and I, I want to put this as politically correctly as possible, but the Seattle chapter of Suicide Girls will never be confused for the San Diego chapter. <laughs> You've mm. heard of, like, eye candy? Well, this is yeah. like eye pot roast, you know, probably <laughs> made with needles, certainly probably hearty and satisfying, but ultimately plate presentation is not the strong suit. Oh, God, you're killing me. <laughs> and the, the really fucked up thing is right across the way, was the Rat City Roller Girls Derby booth with yeah. with women who were far better looking and on top of it were there for actual skill other than taking their clothes off. Huh. So, Did you get them to trade outfits? No. So, I, so that was just a thing. <laughs> there is something about San Diego. It attracts a disproportionately number of uh, leggy, beautiful women. I imagine it is pretty tough to compare that to a place where you don't actually see the sun. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's listen to an interview. This is Doug Tenapple, the creator yes. of the comic Bad Island, which will be hitting stores this July at a bookstore near you. All right, Steve at the Emerald City Comic Con once again, and I'm here with Doug Tenapple, who we're revisiting since our uh, meeting at uh, San Diego Comic Con in 09. How you doing, man? Really good. Hello to all you bone batters out there. 
It's good to talk to you, man. Uh, as you know, we're a big fan of your stuff. Creature Tech was a, a big one for us. And lately, in the last couple of years, you've been doing some great kind of all-ages work with Scholastic Publishing. Ghostopolis last year was brilliant, and I just got in advance of the new one, Bad Island, which I read with my son, and it it's fantastic. What I'm enjoying is you're, you've got your normal amazing mind-bending creativity but you're grounding it in family and that is a really cool thing that's certainly by intention correct well it's not something i have to really try hard to do because i have a family and there's no graphic novels for us to read so (laughs) and i'm exaggerating when i say no obviously but i think that's a that's a great space where i think the medium can really expand and there's a lot of room for it to expand in as opposed to, you know, the medium really doesn't need to expand anymore into darkness or anything. We got that well covered. There's a, you know, a, a wealth of great material in that area. But on the family end, and just kind of straightforward, old-school storytelling, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of give our uh, listeners a little idea what Bad Island is about. Well, it's about a family of four who are very uh, disconnected and disjointed. They're a modern family. They don't have time for each other. They don't listen to each other. They're distracted with all the trivials of life, and um, they end up going on a, a, a boat trip uh, on a family cruise, and they end up crash landing on an island, and the island is nothing uh, as it seems, and they end up kind of, it kind of becomes a giant mystery to kind of solve what it is and what's happening, and the island is covered with, uh, with alien monsters. <laughs> and what I've enjoyed about it, reading it with my son, who's eight, is you know we're reading it and he's cool rock monsters and I'm yeah there's bonding with dad since see what we're doing here see what he did that's that's pretty good yeah that's the thing is like there's another layer to it in that as you read the book with your kid or your or or even your teen I think teens love it too there's a lot of puzzle work in there for you to solve together uh you're doing what the book is about right yeah it's it's meta as all get out so as always you always have time to fit humor in your stuff never more so than your new online effort rat fist Thank you so much. That's a labor of love, and it really is kind of about the most embarrassing humor I can think of. You know, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's a confessional. And you do. I mean, the one that I read a couple of days ago, my partner Gord would appreciate Mitre Spam, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where uh, Ratfist is flying through the air, or he's swinging through the town with his, his severed tail that he uses as a whip. And uh, he learns that there's kind of there's trafficking rules in the city, and he runs into a, a familiar superhero that we all know, named Miter Spam. <laughs> Very cool. And yeah, it's it's a fun comic. I really enjoy how he quickly becomes a mess, but he's muddling through. He's an interesting hero. Yeah, uh, he's got he's pretty, he's probably the hero with uh, with the most. Re- this is realistic psychological damage. <laughs> so he doesn't just become a superhero and start stabbing people. It's you really see this guy who's like tormented on a minute-by-minute level. And it's not just tormented with important things. It's also with trivial things like our culture or even his own feelings and his own goals. I just feel like it's, it's, he's actually a much more human character than I've made in a, in, you know, in a lot of other works. And it's coming fast and furious. Yeah, page a day, guys. Ratfist.com. Basically, we're, we're, we're trying to stay ahead. It's a pretty loose ink brush styles. I've got a dedicated colorist on it, Catherine Garner, who's fantastic. And we're able to keep up with the schedule Monday through Friday. We're on about page, what, 40 now that you're recording this? And it should be about 150, page, 150 individual pages. It'll get us right through Comic-Con, uh, San Diego Comic-Con of, of this year. And then I'll start shopping around to see if, there, if we can get a book, book deal. Very cool. Now, another online project that I stumbled across, Go Sukashi. 
my son loves this. How did you get involved with that? That really is a, a strange opportunity. It was a Japanese pop star, uh, Shoko Nakagawa, who created these characters and wanted to find a way to release them here in America. So her marketing people got a hold of myself and asked what I would do. Like, well, I just throw it to the, my sock baby guys and have them come up with their thing. <laughs> and Tsukashi is the car wreck that ripped the We're over on my damn channel. They basically do a combination of a web series of individual episodes and some dedicated series. They have a lot more effects and kung fu in it that they've come to know and love of our work. Yeah, I, I can't even properly describe it. You just need to go and watch. It's the craziest ass thing you've ever seen. Wow. He's pretty messed up. He, uh, Gosukashi, he sees bad guys. We don't we don't know if he's delusional or if they really are there. There's hints that they really are there because you're pretty sure that it's just all in his mind until they abduct his girlfriend. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, man. Well, the last question we always ask is: You're well aware on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off? Oh man. Well, I try not to think too much about what pisses me off because then I'll, I'll walk around all pissed off all the time, and that's not a good thing to do. Well, that's why you have the Bone Bat Show to vent. Okay. In general, I would say I don't like uh, entitled people who are entitled. Like my, To me, that's my biggest beef and, and anger at my own generation is to watch people feel like they've got something free coming to them just for existing. Sorry. <laughs> I got it. I got another message for you. And they, you know, I probably pissed them off. <laughs> so we come full circle. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, I, always, I appreciate your support. I f follow your show regularly, and I'll be uh, retweeting this to all my fans, and they'll be, uh, you know, what's funny is you know more about all of my work than even my fans do. <laughs> you have me better covered. Well, thank you. We, we aim to please. All right. Once again, Doug Tenapple. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, Doug. So you got a political rant this week? Yeah, I got a brief little rant, rant, lit, rant, ranting, rant, rant. Here's a rant. Congress is ostensibly trying to fix the budget, live within its means, cut where they spend money, which I, I am behind. I, I think they should do that. I think they're going about it completely the wrong way, but philosophically I'm aligned with the whole idea that you should not spend more money than you have. Sure. But what's going on, what's what's creeping into this in, in not so subtle fashion is it's being used as a tool to push an agenda not necessarily for any kind of fiscal responsibility, but they're pushing this deregulation thing that they, they so like to do. And it doesn't matter what flag they wrap around it. It's always the same thing. It was, we need deregulation to be competitive. Otherwise, the foreigners are going to eat our lunch for us. Now it's, we need deregulation so we can save money. It's Which is all bullshit. And let me tell you about deregulation. Deregulation comes in two flavors. One, it's relaxing the laws or changing the laws so you can get away with more shit. And two... It's just cutting the enforcement of existing laws. And we've done we've seen this happen in a number of ways. And the Republicans love less government. They love, you know, deregulation means less government to them, but it's just it's kleptocracy. When you, you add deregulation of the electrical industry, what did you get? You had Enron, which stole a bunch of money from everybody. A few people in the company got rich, everybody else lost their jobs. 
and you had rolling blackouts. That's what deregulation gave you. You had deregulation of the mining industry, and what that accomplished was, yeah, it was easier to get some stuff out of the ground, and few people made more money doing it, but the uh, environmental consequences were absolutely horrific. They, they pushed mountaintops into rivers and caused mudslides, and a lot of people started dying in mining accidents. You, you had deregulation of the banking industry. <laughs> well, don't we have that now? It's almost a deregulation if it, in practice, if not in name, when you have not a single CEO doing time or being prosecuted from the you know big collapse a couple of years ago. Yeah, and you know what? Because of deregulation, a lot of those guys didn't break any laws. Yeah. They had the laws written so a few people could take a whole shitload of money Bankrupt the country, bankrupt the company, and eh, what did they do? Now, the ones that actually went so far as to break laws, there was no enforcement mechanism. So that's that's deregulation. They're wrapping the wrapping the whole. We need to save money by deregulating thing around it, and that's that's horseshit. So if you want to live in a country that doesn't save any money but is deregulated. And you want to breathe poison because the EPA has been deregulated. You want to work in an unsafe place because OSHA has been stripped of its enforcement power. You want your airplanes falling out of the sky or your bridges crashing into rivers because the TSA has been cut. Transportation has been deregulated. If you want your dams cracking and places flooding because they cut the budget for the dam inspections... That's deregulation. Consumer safety? Oh, we know. We need to deregulate things so industry can be unfettered and, and free to make money and, and hire people and make jobs in China. That's deregulation. And it doesn't save any money. What it does is it makes a few people a lot richer. Those people are contributing to the politicians. And all these assholes that came in saying that they were going to put our fiscal house in order are not doing it. They're just taking what little money is left and handing it to the people that got us in this mess in the first place. That is my fucking political rant. Well done, sir. All right. Thank you. Grr! Ah, I'm angry. The world's going to end. Which makes it nice to be able to escape to something lighter like a comic book convention. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree? I agree. So one of the other cool things about Emerald City Comic Con was kind of to be able to Meet your heroes. And uh, one of the people that I got to interview, uh, who was kind enough to spend a few minutes talking to me at the con, was Ben Templesmith. He, you know his art from 30 Days of Night. Oh, yes. And he had this comic come out last year called Choker, which I immediately got hooked on. It's very great stuff. But, you know, one of the other things that, that is not so cool is there's like 75 book booths there, and I can't find any of his book Wormwood. Why not? I don't know. Out? And that I thought that kind of sucked. I looked. I was checking everywhere. He's got three volumes of it, and I couldn't pick up a copy. So I'm absolutely going to, but I couldn't get it at the con, unfortunately. That sucked. Yeah. The other thing that sucked is I suspect I got my hacking death cough from Ben Templesmith. But, oh, that man. Dude, I don't blame him at all. He is the fucking man. That guy was chained to that table under the big red T like a ship captain chained to the wheel, man. He was there always. And, you know, nobody's going to blame a creator during an eight-hour day for taking a couple breaks. He was always fucking there, and he was sick as a dog, and he was hacking, and he still had time for an interview with me. 
So I guess I probably ought to rethink the deep tongue kiss that I give after each interview. <laughs> you might. You might want to just stick with the what pisses you off question and avoid the tongue altogether. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Templesmith. All right, once again, this is Steve at Emerald City Comic Con 2011, and I am hanging out with Ben Templesmith, the creator of such fine comics as 30 Days a Night. I'm only the co-creator of that. Co-creator, yes. Steve Niles, of course. But uh, also, more recently, with Ben McCool, Choker, a, a comic that I got hooked on last year. How you doing, man? Uh, I still have some voice. <laughs> Not too much. A little bit. That's my good buddy, Chunk. He's How you a, doing, sir? I'm Steve. Nice to meet you, Steve. Good to meet you. He's, he's a strong man. <laughs> he has about 20 machetes in his house. 20 machetes? Yeah, he's from Alaska. He's, he's tough. That's he's badass. He's broken every bone in his body. <laughs> there yeah, you go. He, yeah, yeah, but he's awesome. He's a big cuddly teddy bear, but don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. Yeah. And he, uh, he printed my latest book, the Squid Girls book. He's a publisher, actually. Well, a printer. A printer. A printer. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So Squid Girls, it's got chicks and tentacles, yes. something my uh, co-host Gord can't get enough it's of. It's my first self-published book. Really? Yeah, I just printed it out myself. That's fantastic. And did you say this was the third printing? No, first. First printing. There oh, will okay. only be one printing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's limited edition, so. Right, okay. I thought there were multiple covers, is that? There were multiple covers, yeah. Oh, okay. There's three editions I misunderstood it. that then. But uh, just the one book. Oh, fantastic. Just changed the cover up because there uh, was no extra cost. <laughs> nice. So tell our listeners a little bit about Choker. It's it's such a unique series, and it's got such a great vibe to it. Uh, I don't want to do it disservice. You should really ask Ben that. He wrote it, but uh, it's about a, a private eye down on his luck, ex-cop, trying to redeem himself and get back on the force, but it's a tale of revenge. It's uh, set in a slight future, but retro, um, slightly. It's dark, it's murky, it's got lots of weird jokes and dirty bits. and um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's, uh, yeah, I love the sense of humor about it. And, and it's, it's got vampires and, you know, all the future, well, grimy real, future stuff you'd want. real vampires, well, you assured me of that. Chemical vampires. Chemical vampires, yes. Uh, let me um, correct that. Issue 6 will finally come out sometime soon. I was going to ask you about that. So like any good pusher, you got us hooked and then the supply dried up. Well, we both we both have had a lot of life things come up and uh, just general general stuff. So we've both been slack on it. He, he <laughs> took like three months to get the last script done to me, basically. So, so I'm really looking forward to reading it, though. Thank it you. is a great series. It's a lot of fun. Thank you. So, what else are you working on right now? Well, that I got to get that finished, and a new Wormwood story. If you know Wormwood, Gentleman Corpse, my I have not read that yet, and that's something I'm hoping to pick up here at the show. It's my most successful book ever. For my own stuff, outside of having a movie. Right. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. No, it's into its, uh, the first volume is into its, like, eighth printing now. Seventh or eighth. Technically eighth. I will be picking that up. Sweet. Please do. People and seem to like it. I'm doing more, so. What about Fell? Is Fell done, or are you doing more of that as well? No. Uh, Warren has to write more. Okay. He's written one issue now, so I can work on that, but they're not going to put it out until he's got at least another one in the bag. Okay. Cool. Just so we don't tease people too much. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I heard from Image anyway, so. <laughs> so, and I understand. It's on a need-to-know basis. I'd like to get a few more done, right. and then, then we'll just release them slightly more regularly. Yeah, makes sense. But they're really hard for Warren to write, too, because they're so, the, the nature of the format, and the, yeah, he has to have quality of the stories. He's written some good stuff. He so, always does, yeah. It's like the best stuff I've ever worked on, and it's one of his best books, I think, anyway. So. Absolutely. I might be biased, but <laughs> it's critically acclaimed, so. Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, it'll be back eventually. Oh, good. Even if I'm working on it now, it'll be back eventually. Um, yeah. All right. Well, one last question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, Ben? Many things. Many, many, many things. Right now, the most common thing that pisses me off is mustaches. 
mustaches. Yeah. I now, really as a man with facial hair, I find that surprising. Why? I have a beard. I am not a pussy. I am not a child molester. I am not Magnum P.I. I have a proper beard. No, it's like I... The, the hipster look, which is the, the, the I can't stand it. For some reason, I just want to like rip it off or like slap them. <laughs> so I tweeted that I was going to have shaving equipment here, and if anyone came at me with a with a mustache, I was we were going to shave it off. No one's come up. Nobody's yet. taking you up on no, it quite yet. I haven't had a single um, mustachioid person yet. <laughs> so my fans, they, they know ain't, they ain't. You know, those are not my people. Those people. <laughs> All right, That's man. I don't know why. I just don't like the look. <laughs> to me, it's very eighties, and I don't like the eighties. So. I understand. All right, man. Well, thank you, you so much. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers. Back in 82, this 
is linked will never die As long as I'm here with you It's still adventure of me I link these worlds with my words Unifying the universe For all of my nerves Teaching nerds in their teens How to hack on machines And teaching nerds in their 20s How to follow their dreams Teaching nerds in their 30s To keep pushing, don't worry Cause the nerds in their 40s Are still grinding with motives Since some nerds in their 50s Screw back in 82 This link will never die As long as I'm here with you You Alright, once again, that was The Link from Space Mission by Whitey Cracker. And joining us now is the man, the legend himself. How you doing, man? Excellent. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So unifying the universe with all of my words. Dude, truer words have never been spoken. Every time we interview a nerdcore rapper for this show, they all drop your name as being an influence or an inspiration or whatever. Very that's, cool to have. That's true. That's good. I'm in good company. <laughs> so what? since you're one of the progenitors of Nerdcore Rap, what inspired you to pick up the mic? Well, when I first started like rapping, I was kind of just doing it as a joke. <laughs> but there was all this underground scene on IRC and AOL at the time. Like We all came up spamming and hunting each other and uh, that kind of stuff. And so there was just a, a lot of like Weird Alish kind of songs that i was doing that you know were sampling cash money and stuff and mm -hmm. and then uh i was doing a lot of uh electronic music at the time so i was producing beats and then uh, i got up with this local hip-hop crew called angel pool and uh i just started rapping with them and you know like you rap what you know and mm -hmm. so i was just uh <laughs> a little nerdier with my lyrics i guess than <laughs> the typical a little yeah a little I'll just downplay that as much as possible. All right. But, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there was, uh, so it's always just kind of had this, like, nerdy flavor to it. But, you know, then Front of Lot came along and, like, named the genre, and I just identify with it. You know, so, like, it's had its swells, I guess, like, where, you know, the media will, like, latch on to it all of a sudden, and then it becomes, like, a trendy thing to do. But, you know, for the most part, I think it accurately describes exactly like the type of music that we're doing but even in the nerdcore world there's there's always like tons of things to throw into the music video game samples and movie quotes and all kinds of great stuff but you seem to be just as comfortable like rapping in front of a spare backbeat do you think that you have maybe more a little more of an appreciation of hip-hop roots than some of your counterparts oh absolutely i mean i've been well i can't say like totally because Int 80 from Dual Core, he knows his hip hop. Front a lot knows his hip hop. Lars knows his hip hop. Like, mm -hmm. there definitely are. I mean, Random knows his. I can I can keep going. Doc Pop knows his hip hop. <laughs> like, there's a bunch of people that actually like are students of of the game, and and I think that's good. But you know, you have, you have to know your roots, just like mm -hmm. that Nintendo shirt and stuff. Um, but you know, more or less, like I've always, because my raps are a little bit different. Some nerdcore rappers are more in the vein of like four nerds by nerds, and it's all like inside jokes and you know the communication, kind of like a secret handshake. Mm -hmm. But my my mission's always been to like make palatable music, uh, so that way you know people that aren't necessarily like identify as nerds like on on the first jump 
you know, there's nerds of all shapes and sizes. Some are sports nerds. Some are fucking movie nerds. You know, there's all different types of nerds. And so for somebody to listen to the music and maybe take something out of it that, like, wouldn't normally identify with the group, I think that's been my, you know, what I've tried to do the most is just kind of consolidate, like, reconcile the fact that, like, the nerds, uh, you know, we're making money on the internet and you're making money in the street. Like, we're not so different, you and I. Mm. Hands across America. <laughs> we are the world. We are the world, exactly. So, you know what? You're right, though. There are all kinds of different nerds. And I've, I've noticed that so much nerdcore is it's computers, it's sci-fi, it's, you know, maybe a little bit of literature, it's movies. But there there is a facet of nerdism, which is true to my heart, which I just have not yet found. And that is that is the biology nerd. How come no one is rapping about endoplasmic reticulum? <laughs> well, I, uh, number one, I would say that all the all the Latin is is very hard to get, to get by. But uh, hey, but once you start, Latin is easy to rhyme. I'm I'm assuming it is it's a romantic language, obviously. So uh, I mean, if yeah, you can rhyme Spanish pretty well. So why couldn't you rhyme? Hmm hmm. Well, sir, I believe you found an opening. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know too much about uh, biology. Yeah, if I, only I had a sense of rhythm. Maybe I, there would be a future for me. But oh, see, the biology is the hard part. The rhythm is the easy part. So, like, if you got that part down, you know, the rest is just details. No, nah, you've never seen me try to work something like a bass drum. <laughs> 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 These things happen. All right. So, in addition to the influence you've had on the nerdcore genre, you also have been a champion through Nerdy South Records and putting out music yourself. How did that get started? That was just more. I guess out of necessity. Again, like my background musically, I play the guitar and piano and I do a lot of electronic music. I had a DJ and stuff and more or less like I've always used independent channels to release music and I was on mp3.com back in the day when that was kind of a just an artist community sort of thing and once I started doing the Nerdy South Records thing, like the, a lot of p- places like TuneCore and stuff, they were just launching, and so it became viable for you know musicians such as ourselves, like kind of reach a broader audience on major distribution channels the same way the majors do. And uh, Nerdy South just kind of incorporated it, and I mean it's a label, but again, like the only artist that I really have on there is Beefy and. <laughs> I mean, it's not like uh, he gets all the money. I, I I pay him as much as he asks me. I'm like just like a bank of Whitey Cracker, <laughs> and you know, I yeah, I get we get paid, and the, whoever produces the album helps produce the album. They get paid and stuff, but uh, it's really just kind of a I don't know. It's not a very organized business. I'll say that it just makes money and pays starving artists. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. <laughs> Now, one thing also that is cool about the Nerdcore community is how you all kind of work together. You're often appearing on each other's albums and all that great stuff. And it really makes, I think, for some really creative and inspiring music that way. Was that just like an organic growth out of the community? Yeah, I'd say so. Like, I think nerds sometimes can be very exclusionary, but for the most part, I'd say like the inclusion, I mean, we're all like kind of representing this microcosm you know of the rap world or whatever and and so by extension you know just as much as the swedish house mafia might work together all the down south the houston you know has a huge rap scene and all them work together and stuff Mm like we're in the same boat like front a lot chris lars myself we're the only ones that are really like 
doing national tours or international tours and we're fortunate enough to do that but then there's a lot of like artists that are you know coming up like, everybody loves doc awkward and jealous one like that camp like there's like this kind of other tier of artists that you know is kind of getting there you know mm. and so you know we're not all that far from each other like even at the top like it's not like we're waving at the little people or anything like that so <laughs> it can, just it's all for the music I you guess. can get people to take your calls right right <laughs> cool so tell us a little bit about space mission your latest cd i released it on my birthday last year and it's just i don't know i i didn't really like get the machine behind it the way i was supposed to uh so I, i'm gonna save that for my next record but it's just um it's kind of like a thematic there's this video of me on youtube uh, when I was four years old and I just wouldn't shut up about space mission and, and Star Wars and stuff. So I just kind of named it that <laughs> uh, as a result of that. But it's pretty much this, the whole album is just kind of like it's mixed together. It's meant to be listened to like as a whole and it kind of has a weird thematic. I, I don't know. It's I'm no Pink Floyd, but it, it's got... It's, <laughs> I was uh, thinking, is this Dark Side of the Moon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the light side of the moon or the crater <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's it the is. inside of the moon. The inside of the moon. There you go. Perfect. Cool. So what's next for you? Well, I got South by Southwest next week with a bunch of friends. What is that like? I just If we can live vicariously through you. Have you been before? Oh, yeah. This is my third or fourth year. Maybe my third. Yeah. Third year. But it's just like... I don't know. It's fun. There's the we just do the showcase. The the thing about South by Southwest is it's awesome to be featured and it's awesome to do like the showcase thing or the the speech stuff. You know when you have to like talk to people and explain what their core is and everything. Mm -hmm. But the uh, thing about South by Southwest is a lot of a lot of artists think it's going to be their big break or something, and Mm -hmm. it's really just it's so big now there's so many people that it's just an excuse for people in austin to come see us and it's an excuse for you to go see like bands that you wouldn't normally get to see so that's where it kind of has um, merit but as far as you know being the place to get broken out or anything like that it's it's not that kind of festival anymore i think it's just more get drunk and hang out with your homies (laughs) so is it a nerd car showcase that you're doing Yes, yes. This one's just, uh, I, I'm going to miss somebody, I'm sure. It was like Terp to it, Dual Core, Random, myself, Front a Lot, and I'm, I'm positive there's somebody else that I'm just missing, and I'm going to get reamed for it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going last. Uh, really? So, cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm technically, I guess that means I'm headlining. But you're the headlining act. So you're right following yeah. Front a lot, man. That's no mean feat, right there. I know, I know. So, but we're Front a lot, and me and David of, of uh, Dual Core in 80. We just filmed a video for uh, Zero Day, the title track of Front a Lot's last. Yeah, F. yeah, great song. And, and so we that video. You know, we filmed in uh, North Carolina, actually, and uh, that should be done by PAX East, so it should be done this week, I, hopefully, mm-hmm. but uh, that's like, we're going to perform that song there. It'll be the first time that we've actually done it live, all, all of us, so oh, cool. that, that's, I guess that's an excuse, too, to, to do the damn thing. Absolutely. All right, and then you Who have... sings the high part? Oh, uh, that's, I think it was a girl who sung that, but it's... Oh, nice. that was a girl originally. I'm, I'm just picturing you guys live. You bust into a falsetto and... No, we'll just be on the hook, the, uh, won't it? We'll just let the backing track handle it, I guess. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. 
let me see here. I'm looking at. Go ahead and um, ask a question if you have. Okay. Yeah. Stuff. No. Just about your next album. You mentioned that uh, you were saving saving some stuff up for that. Well, I have so many like unreleased tracks too that I actually haven't. I feel bad. I haven't recorded a rap song since October. I, I have a new. Me and this guy, Jace Hall, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He has this show on IGN. He, he's the executive producer of that show, V. He's a big Hollywood dude. He's mm-hmm. a, literally a big Hollywood dude, actually. He's like 6'5". He's just <laughs> diesel as hell. But he's actually a really big gamer and stuff. And so we actually did a new version of LO Money that we're going to debut on his show. And then uh, that show, Entourage, that's on HBO. I work with Aqua, and he scores that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, this last season is going to be the final season, and I have a track that should be going on that. Oh, that is uh, cool. Nice. So that would be fun. But, yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, new material, like, I'm I'm kind of kicking stuff around. But I've actually been producing more beats and stuff. Like, I'm working on just getting my production skills back to where they used to be because uh, I used to have a lot of fun just making electronic music and stuff. And it's still like where a big part of my heart is. So I'm thinking even my next record might even be just electronic stuff with Decepticon or something. Oh, cool. Yep. So speaking of, you mentioned YouTube videos earlier. One of the funniest things I saw last year was the video of Whitey Cracker making it rain. Oh, in Chicago? Oh, shit, dude. That is hilarious. How did that come about? I was just, me and my friend Ryan and John, we were all in, in uh, Chicago for LeedsCon. And uh, <laughs> I just, I would just, there was a bank there and I just was like, yo, we need to make it rain on the streets. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny. And so I'd go in and just go, go grab, it's only, there were ones. So right, it's yeah, not yeah, like, yeah. There, there wasn't a whole bunch of damage done. It was like $400 or something. And, uh, yeah, just, but no one said thank you. No, like, everybody just, it was like a madhouse. If you see, if you see the video, like, people were just, like, picking up money, like, all but over they, the place. But they wouldn't, like, take it from you. You would be handing it to them. You would drop it, and they would pick it up. But they wouldn't take it from you. It was the, the craziest one, thing. The one, the kids and stuff were, the, the old, the, there was a guy in a business who, who didn't want money. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was just, ugh. You just you bring out the worst in people. I guarantee it's the most fun you'll have. Like you just grab two hundred dollars and throw it at people, and I guarantee <laughs> it's it's worth it. Like it's it was a good experience, but you know at the same time I just uh, you ever seen that movie Idiocracy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like that movie. It's happening. Like it's, it's, fr- it's so frighteningly it's, true. Yes. Yeah, and that's what's so terrible about it. I just I can't. I don't know. I just can't fathom. This world getting any worse than it is, but I know it's we're, it's gonna happen. So you know, I guess just gotta love the bomb or whatever. Yeah, that's the problem. We really are at the pinnacle of civilization right now. So no matter what, it's downhill from here. It's, it's all downhill. Yeah, I mean, this iPhone is awesome as it is. Like you have music and fucking videos. I mean, there's nothing. There's games. It's ridiculous. Yeah, games. It's like, bro, who lived like this? <laughs> King Louis did not have it this good. And no, he yeah, did not. That's good. Yeah. They didn't have running water. You know, we got this iPhone shit. We're spoiled. And as awesome as it is, like, when Steve is gone, you know, what do I have to look forward to anymore, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Think about it, though. I mean, like, you can, you can go in your kitchen and, like, eat strawberries from Trinidad and a steak from Argentina, wash it down from with some 
some beer brewed in Belgium. You know, it all came fresh that afternoon. You know, the czar of Russia couldn't have that. It, you know, oh, yeah. The most ruthless, powerful men throughout history couldn't have the stuff that, like, my middle-class suburban white ass takes for granted. It's just... It's pretty bad. We, no. we are ama- it, living in amazing times. We don't even really realize it, cause, but we will one, like, in 20 years when it's all gone. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I, like I said, I don't think nuclear war or anything like that. We're just going to... Wait, dude, Schaefer's going to be there. Okay, hold on. I'm looking at the thing. Sorry, I'm back on this. Uh, okay, so Schaefer is going to be at South by Southwest, which is cool. I forgot about that because he asked me. He was like, yo, are you going to be at South by Southwest? If you are, I will go. So, that's so yes, he is there in front a lot, more or less, Jesse Dangerously. Oh, cool. Always a pleasure. Um this really doesn't – It's this is the worst layout I'm looking at right now. Warger Burglar uh, is another dude. He's from Canada. He's pretty sick. Uh, yeah, I've, but heard, I think, I've heard his stuff on uh, Hipster Please. Yeah, yeah. I He did Nerdapalooza a couple of years ago. I mean he might still be doing it actually. I haven't been to Nerdapalooza in a couple of years actually uh, because we usually wind up you know, on tour rolling through there just right around the same time uh, that that's going on. So it's – kind of defeats the purpose of well i don't know it's not like the o-town scene like down there they love nerdcore like florida is like nerdcore nerdcore nerdcore. it's pretty awesome so i I don't know i think you could perform there every day and they wouldn't get tired of you (laughs) great (laughs) it's good okay so yeah now i'm i'm absolved i just didn't want to forget anyone and then they'll kill me later no Um, it's not wanting to die okay yeah all right that's good one last question we always ask all the guests on the Bone Bat Show. What pisses you off, man? My ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first time we've ever heard that. She pisses me off, too. God. Oh, she just drama. But uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't get rid of her. She's the mother of my child, and she can be okay sometimes. But to tell you the truth, yeah. That and... Um, I don't know. I'd say that's pretty much it. No. Isn't that bad? That's that's pretty terrible, I guess. Well, that means that's, that life is good otherwise. What that so. is. <laughs> I don't know. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Does he actually piss you off, or do you just like stand there slack jawed in amazement at the big train wreck that's happening? I'm just I'm looking at him, and I see so much of myself in him that I just think you know maybe it's just self hatred that I I have. But uh, no, Mr. Sheen, I I hope he He's gets a warlock. Help. I'm a warlock. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a tor- He just. He needs help. He does. That is the <laughs> bottom line, and I feel very terrible that uh, that he's not getting it. Um, and the thing is, is when you're Charlie Sheen, no one can tell you shit. Like that's what's yeah. so awesome about being Charlie Sheen. So pissed, no, <laughs> and Jerry Busey will take care of it. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. more I'm more pissed that my friends, people I consider friends, keep tweeting shit about him. Yeah, he that's is, what pisses me off. Account. He's pretty much he's... off my radar. It's my friends who are pissing me off. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. So it's 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 what Charlie Sheen's doing to the nation right now. It's that's what we need to be pissed at. That's it's not so much him. It's just uh, it's the Jersey Shore and all that stuff too. You know, as you said, idiocracy. Idiocracy, very 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 <laughs> much so. All right, man. Well, why don't you tell us about this next tune? I think it's the throne I own. I did the beat in Garage Band and with my key rig. So that's like the last really well, second last foray into production that I really got into. But that's it. It's off Space Mission. Got a new site up at whiteycracker.com, new layout. It's kind of cute if you want to get there. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate you joining us on the Bone Bat Show. Yeah, thanks. That was, thanks. That was thanks really for cool me. to have you on the show. I appreciate you guys having me. Sing, 
But until then, YDC ring king This is the throne I own I'ma hold it down till the internet's gone When there's no more song to sing But until then, YDC ring king This is the throne I own I'ma hold it down till the internet's gone When there's no more song to sing But until then, YDC ring king This is the throne I own Hold it down till the internet's gone When there's no more song to sing But until then, YDC rank king Hey, this is Whitey Crack, and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. All right, this is Steve once again at Emerald City Comic Con 2011, and I'm here with Mark Wade, the creator of a lot of great works, notably from DC 52, Kingdom Come, of course, but more recently his work with Boom Studios and the comics Incorruptible and Irredeemable. How are you doing, sir? Doing great today. This is, uh, you know, you caught me on the floor of the Emerald City Comic Con, the ninth annual one, and I love this show. You having a good time at this one? I'm having a great time, and this show is bustling, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It always has been, but I mean, every year, what always impresses me about this show is that every year it gets bigger and bigger, which is terrific. But it's it's still a manageable show to have fun at. Like, yeah. I've been crushed at San Diego. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this one is just, you can breathe a little bit, and it's a lot more fun yeah, to no, me. Yeah, no, this is not a fire marshal nightmare. This yeah, is, exactly. but, but it's, it's crowded enough where there's stuff going on, but it's not, you know, you don't feel like a sardine. It's good. So. Absolutely. So I've been kind of following Boom Studios through, you know, my day job since its inception. And it's neat to see how you went from a small, kind of a humble line with a couple of titles to truly a formidable lineup yeah, 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 yeah. coming from the majors. What was it like to build something from the ground up like that? It, was, it wasn't easy, I'll tell you that. I mean, it was, it, but it, it, it's a good question. I mean, we really, when I came in as... You know, editor-in-chief, it wasn't so much the idea of, you know, I must compete with the majors as soon as I can. It's more like, just let's build up a good backlog of really good books that nobody else is doing. Let's cater to the horror fans. Let's cater to the science fiction fans. Let's do stuff that nobody else is doing. And that worked out really well for us. Then, of course, getting, you know, getting the Pixar license when we did, that, so we could do Incredibles and, and books like that, Cars. That was a huge help for us. A big part of our market is like the Farscape fans and the guys who have supported us there. So between the licensed books we did and then the original stuff we've been doing, that's the stuff that put us at you know consistently like the sixth or seventh you know biggest publisher in the in the in comics in America every month. Which is fantastic. Yeah, I'm really happy about it. So talking a little bit about the work you've created yourself, let's talk about Irredeemable and Incorruptible. Now, I've always been kind of a fan of comics like The Watchmen or Astro City, where a creator is able to build a world and, you know, kind of mess with maybe some superhero tropes a little bit. Can you tell our listeners about the comic a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, the the high concept is essentially, you know... you know, what if Superman went insane? I suppose that's the high concept. Uh, to boil it down a little bit further, it's it's the world's greatest superhero who is trusted and loved by everyone in the world, including his allies uh, on, on the super team he's with and so forth. What they don't realize, what the world doesn't realize, is that he's just not emotionally capable of that job. It's not a matter of... In comics, we, we tend to think that, oh, you're getting bitten by a radioactive spider, and therefore you're somehow morally and emotionally and ethically capable of being a superhero. 
you know, or a supervillain. But that that gray area in between of I want to be a superhero, but you know, if you're if you're doing the job not because you are really uh, interested in, in being self-sacrificing, but because you want to be loved, because you you see that as a way for people to, to embrace you. Yeah. Man, that's a that's a that's a bad way to go. That is a bad way to go. And to see it also from the flip side of that with Max Damage, yeah, exactly. who is the protagonist of Incorruptible. Which, yeah, that's the flip side book. That's the that's the what happens if it's in the same universe, but it's basically what if one of Plutonians, the Plutonians, the, the the character in Irredeemable, what if one of his arch enemies, now that Plutonian has become the world's greatest super villain, has decided, you know what, somebody's got to step up then and protect the world because even us super villains don't want the world destroyed. We want what we want. We want money and booze and women, but we don't want the world annihilated. So he decides to step up and become the world's greatest superhero, and it's a much harder row for him because he doesn't know what the rules are. He's always been a supervillain. It's comical in a sense. He's like, all he knows about being what a superhero is, is to do the opposite of what a supervillain does. Uh, so between those two books, uh, you know, I'm covering the gamut of you know what it's like to switch sides, and I'm really happy with what we're doing. So, yeah, yeah it's it's excellent stuff. Now, one of the things that I, I noticed was the way that you unrolled the narrative yeah. in Irredeemable yeah. was you didn't kind of spoon feed the reader. No, you're you're sitting there going, who the hell are these people? Right. And you, you don't even really know why the Plutonian snapped until. A little ways into the I, and series, I wanted that. I, and I, I think if you try, it was over, very yeah. driving. It was I very really, compelling. I think the very, I think the goal of every first issue is to set up the premise to make sure that people understand what the basic premise of the series is, and then to want to come back. But that doesn't mean you have to turn over all the cards with issue one. I mean, you understood enough of what was going on in issue one to, to be drawn back emotionally to see what happens next. But I like this sort of spooling out because it's not again what happened with Plutonian also was not an instant moment. There was no, I must become a villain moment. There was, it's just, it was a slow burn on him for years that he was keeping inside him all the emotions and all the failings and all the, the, the personal demons that were driving him. So the fact that they, in his life, they took years and years to spin out and finally collapse, it only made sense to me that then, in the context of the series, you'd want to give that some breathing room. Absolutely. So now you, it sounds like you've stepped down a little bit from Boom Studios. You're going to be doing more freelance work. Right. What do you have on the horizon? Uh, we've got a Marvel project that we can't talk about yet, but they're going to announce that at C2E2 in a couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, and I've still got Irredeemable and Incorruptible. Uh, I've got Ruse over at Marvel. That's an old cross-gen property that I was doing. That was the Victorian murder mystery series uh, that, I'm, that I'm doing. Digital is still something I'm pursuing very heavily, and we hope to make some announcements in the next couple of weeks. And then beyond that, I just want to take a nap. That's all. Excellent. Well, one last question. Sure. We always ask all of our guests in the Bone sure. Bat Show. What pisses you off, Mark? At this exact moment... Wisconsin and everything about it. It's just, oh man, that governor. Can I say this on the yeah, radio? That, that governor's an asshole. Yeah. Can you say that? I, he's a jerk. No, you get to believe that. We're fully disclaimered, sir. You cannot, you can't, anybody who believes that teaching is an easy job is an idiot. Yeah. Anybody who believes that just because, oh, they've got the summers off. No, they don't. First off, they don't. And secondly, not if they want to be able to eat. And secondly, they, these guys work 12, 13 hours a day. And, and secondly, even if they had the summers off, Guess what? They're in charge of your teaching your children, and there is no more important job in the world than that. So, get off their backs. You know, it's I know, if it were up to me, I'd pay teachers three times the salary that they'd be paying right now. And, and I don't. I, yes, there's going to be some bad teachers out there in the system, but 
there's bad teachers, there's bad people at your where the place where you work. There's bad people at the place I work. There's always bad people working places, and that doesn't excuse it. But that's not where you put the focus. Where you put the focus is on rewarding the good people to do a better job and to make it worthwhile. Because what you know, you cannot, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can't, in the quest of getting rid of a few bad teachers, throw out all the good teachers too. Because then you've got anarchy. Absolutely, and like you say, that's building our future as a dad. Absolutely. You know, you want that money put into improving. I know. Our society. I, that am, way. I am ashamed to be in a United States that also has Wisconsin as. <laughs> as part of it. It feels like, you know, it feels like I've got a serial killer in the family that I'm not telling anybody about. It's that same sort of hidden shame. And then there's Ohio, but that's a whole other story. So, but yes, that's what pisses me off right now, the right wing in Wisconsin. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate you joining My us pleasure. on the Bone Bash Show. All right, take care. All right, once again, thank you to Mark Way. So one thing I do totally love about Emerald City and all Comic-Cons, really, is seeing women in Wonder Woman costumes. Uh, that's not, and I know that has a special place for you. Absolutely. One thing that is not so cool is seeing men in Wonder Woman costumes. I like to think of oh. myself as an open-minded guy, but, you know, this is my oldest sexual icon imprint. <laughs> Can <laughs> you like please... a man in a slave Princess Leia costume. You know, really, I, actually, Leia, a guy in a Leia costume, do, does not disturb me as much. And I don't know... Which disturbs me more, the fat, beardy guys or the cut, chiseled drag queen types? But they both really disturb me more Wonder than they should. Have a package. I'm more, sorry. More than they should. So, please, you know, dress up as Slave Leo. Whatever you need to do, please leave Wonder Woman alone. Dress up as Thomas. It's fine. <laughs> Speaking of Wonder Woman, I, I too have a close and personal relationship with the uh, old uh, Wonder Woman. There's going to be a new one. New Linda one on Carter, TV. man. Oh, my God. Perfection. <laughs> really, perfection. Perfection. Just tall and beautiful and huge tracts of land. Those eyes. Oh, yeah. Eyes. Oh, oh, I may need to take a break. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Wonder Woman. As yeah, talking. no, there's going to be a new Wonder Woman on TV. No shit, really? Yeah, I did no not shit. hear that. Yeah. Uh, the actress, see, I wasn't prepared to talk about this, but she's tall, brunette. Athletic, Amazon-ish looking. I sign off. We need to explore this further because it was just like a little pop note in my internet browsing. And what? What? New Wonder Woman? Oh no, they're gonna do it wrong. It's gonna be terrible. And I looked and I'm like, oh no, that works. <laughs> cool. I yeah. will definitely keep an eye. I hope they make her a badass. I hope. I hope they don't screw that up. Well, she's an Amazon warrior. I mean, she's supposed to be a badass. She's yeah, certainly. You know, you think about it. She certainly is wise, me. but she's a badass. Think about, like, the power to stop a 357 Magnum slug with a bracelet. A, you've got to move that arm, like, faster than sound in order to block it. So you have to have superior perception. You have to be really, really freaking fast in order to do that. And then th the strength involved to reflect all that force, to not have it just, like, snap your hand completely off your body. Mm -hmm. She's a badass. People don't give Wonder Woman enough credit. You do not want a hand job from Wonder Woman, though. <laughs> Just saying. All right, so how about some multimedia triage? How about it? What are you digging this week? Well, this week didn't we just do like a podcast like a day and a half ago? Yeah, and that was to a come couple up of weeks ago. Stuff? You probably had time to ingest something. I don't know what. Yeah, I ingested something, all right. <laughs> Shredded mini weeks and beer. But, you know, still watching Archer. Archer's still brilliant. And... Been reading Doug, you know, Doug Tenopel. I don't think we talked about this in the last podcast. I've been reading Ratfist, his daily webcomic. 
Yeah, it's great. It stuff. is fun. It is funny. It is fun. I really like it. His story is fun. The art is fun. And at first, I had a hard time getting into it because it is like it is great, but you only get a little bit every day. It's like someone handing you a great big yummy chocolate chip cookie and saying. Ah, you only get one bite today. <laughs> you know, you, you get that little one page. You're like, ah, it's bullshit. I need some more. Well, what's cool is it's going to be continue another page a day up through San Diego Comic Con. So there's a lot more coming right now. But still, I like it. Yeah, it's great stuff. And the other thing I've been reading, I just finished the book. Something you got me into, Greg Rucka, his first uh, book in the series, uh, The Gentleman's Game. Yeah, about a. Uh, Female special ops assassin. Tara Chase. Yes. I'm liking it. And I really like the whole fact that this book has been out for a long time, so I can immediately pick up more books in the series and read them. Yeah, there's, what, three prose novels culminating in The Last Run, which just came out last October, I think. And then seven to nine graphic novels. So there's there's a lot there. And that the, the characters are so well built, particularly Tara Chase's boss, Paul Crocker. And the relationship between the two of them is fantastic. It's so fascinating. And it makes for just some great reading. Yeah, I like it. It is so nice to like find something you like and then find out it's old enough that there's a whole bunch of it. Well, I actually chatted with him for a few minutes at Emerald City, and he said that he's taking a break currently from Queen and Country stuff, but there will be more. So, good news. Cool. What have you been digging? Well, speaking of, uh, you know, some comic stuff, something that I had been meaning to kind of see more of, and I, I didn't get a chance to until recently, was Fell by Warren Ellis and Ben Templesmith that uh, we just talked about. Fantastic work, man. It is so fucking good. It's a story of this detective who comes to uh, a town where he's been kind of banished across the river to Snowtown, which is just like this kind of really dark, depressing, dank place. And it's very episodic as far as there's a different case each issue. Yeah. And the, the, the first graphic novel, Volume 1, is like the first eight cases. And the art is amazing and evocative. The writing and the dialogue is tremendous. It is a must-read. It's just fantastic stuff. As a matter of fact, I actually had in my office at work a copy of Issue 5 of the comic itself. The first person who emails me, steve at bonehand.com, and wants a taste of this, I'll be glad to send it to him, and you can check it out yourself. Can I email you? See how kind I am? I just it's sent fine. you some shit today. Sent you a couple of cool books. I Does it include stinging insects? It took a while. I had to find some scorpions. That's why oh, it took Christ. me so long to mail them. I'll be sure to open it in front of my wife. <laughs> shit. I just picked up Dragon Age 2, which can't hit the streets today. But I was feeling kind of crappy, so I, I didn't really get around to playing it much. So we'll, See, we'll when I'm feeling crappy, that. that is the best time to play video games. When I'm feeling like I can't even get the energy to read a book or do anything, I don't. I just like sit there in front of the TV and all I have to move are my thumbs. I know, but I was thinking about the show. You know, that's that's <laughs> how I, much I put into the bone bash. Oh wow! I'm giving you blood, people. You're great. I just show up like five minutes beforehand and bitch about it. All right. So one last thing that I really enjoyed about Emerald City Comic Con was. I took my kids on Sunday, and just how cool the artists and writers are to kids at that particular convention. 
I mean, you know, my son or daughter could come up to almost anybody and ask them for an autograph, and they would draw a little picture, and it would just make their day. Like the guy who designed Plants vs. Zombies. Oh, yeah? Drew like a little zombie head for Thad and a little uh, sunflower head for Allie. That's cool. Although I'm surprised Allie didn't want a, a, a zombie. Ben Templesmith drew an awesome vampire head. And this one guy, Ray Fox, who is writing a series of graphic novels called Possessions, which there's two volumes. They come out from Oni Press. And it's the story of this four-year-old girl who is possessed by a demon named Gergazon. And she lives in a house with an old woman who wants to be scared and so she surrounds herself with ghosts. She, like, collects ghosts. And anything that Gergazon does to try to scare her or escape from the situation, the old lady just thinks is cute. And the art is just really adorable. And we went by his booth because I, I had seen him in a panel talking about the comic. And it just sounded like something that would be really upper alley. She likes ghost stories, vampire stories, you know, stuff like that. It was cute to boot. It just seemed like something that would be cool for her. And I took her by there. She bought his graphic novel, and he drew her the coolest penciled and then inked sketch of Gergazon. Nice. It was just so cool, and, you know, he didn't have to do that. It was just a, such a kind thing to do for a kid. And, I mean, I brought her home, and that night, for like the next four hours, the kids were both sketching and drawing and doing art. Cool. And, you Very know, just cool. to, to have that sort of inspiration is so, so golden and meaningful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Anyway, Ray Fox, coolest guy ever. Another thing that I took the kids to do was we went to a panel where some comic creators actually acted out some panels from their comics for the kids. And that was really cool. Uh, there's uh, one called a comic called G-Man that is definitely worth your time. And a new one. Is that's it about out. me? No, it's not. It's about it's, oh. it's a great story. It's about these kids. One of them has a magic blanket and it allows it gives him superpowers. And so his brother cut off a piece of the blanket so he could have a belt. So he has the superpowers. But then some other people got strips of the blanket and made armbands out of them <laughs> so they can fly around. And so he's trying to get all the armbands back. And it's a really funny, charming story. But there's one one part of it where the school gets taken over by robo teachers. And it's, it's very yes. cool. And then uh, another one, Astronaut Academy, which is coming out by uh, David Roman, is another cool one to check out. So keep an eye peeled for those. All right. So let's let's uh, listen to our last of our interviews, I guess. This is Mike Avon Oming from Powers. All right. This is Steve once again at Emerald City Comic Con 2011. And I'm here catching up with Mike Avon Oming once again. How you doing, man? Uh, doing great. Loving uh, the show and having a good time. It is. It's a fun show. I always love this one. It's just a, a nice vibe to it. Yeah, this is easily one of my favorite shows. So, big news out of the Powers camp recently, man. Yes, indeed. So, we've gotten the official green light from uh, FX and Sony Studios, and FX is going to go ahead and make a television show for us. That is so fantastic. <laughs> How does it feel to finally have it greenlit? Uh, to have the actual green light is good, because up to this point, we've only had uh, option deals and uh, development that's just gone on years and years and years. And this is uh, just a real landmark of growing from having a deal that's a possibility to actually, all right, we're actively beginning to work on it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also this week we had Power 7 come out, yes. which is cool <laughs> as hell. Great story. I loved it. It was good timing. It was good timing to have that come out. 
You know, we've had uh, pretty irregular shipping schedules with Powers, and a lot of that recently had to do with just behind the scenes. There was a lot of work being put into the development of Powers as a television series. Mm -hmm. Brian's been working and writing very hard with the writers and directors and producers, Chick Igley and Michael Dinner. Yeah, so he's spent a lot of time working with all these guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's affected the the Powers schedule a little bit, but we've been able to get ahead on the art side of it, so Mm -hmm. we're going to get those rolling again. That's great, and I, I'm enjoying the new storyline where Powers kind of takes on the gods. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, this storyline culminates in something pretty crazy at the end of it, which wraps up with issue 11, and it gets it's probably going to be one of our biggest storylines as far as the impact that it has on the series, the Dina being back, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where the, the chips fall after this. Absolutely. Well, I really enjoyed the new pantheon of gods. The, the character design is awesome. The Thanks. last page of the issue is amazing, dude. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was trying to get back to the roots of powers with this. Even though we have some big, crazy superhero stuff, I want to bring back sort of the noir and the crime investigation stuff. Mm. And all the superhero stuff and the gods things culminate at the end of issue 11. And after that, we're going to see... Well, first of all, fans of readers are going to say, how are you going to get yourself out of this? <laughs> the, way, the way this ends, people are going to say, this is the end of Powers, isn't it? This is done, right? But we've got a plan, so then when issue 12 comes out, starting with the new storyline, it's, it's almost like a reset in a way. Okay, um, cool. Um, it had nothing to do with the, the timing of the television series. It's just the way that the story evolved. Mm-hmm. We seem to hit these moments in Powers where these arcs or these, these sections of the Powers overall story are these sort of benchmarks and this, yeah, is, this, is, a, sure. this is another one uh, that's about to happen. Well two things that was cool about that issue was it was neat to hear Brian riff on religion a little bit mm. and also Enki really stole that issue with her dialogue. Awesome. Awesome. I yeah, we, loved we love, it. I was, I was laughing love, out loud. What yeah. a great character. And she really came home in that issue. Oh, that's great. And we love Enki and we want people to, to embrace her more. She's not Dina. She's a different character. And it's great to have them both back and to see them uh, playing off of each other. Okay. Another great project of yours is Mice Templar. What's going on with that project? Uh, Mice Templar's ongoing story at this point. I forget exactly how many issues it's going to be, but uh, I think in the end it'll be close to 30 issues or so. And it's been... Uh, I think we have four trade. The fourth trade is about to come out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I'm continuing to do the covers and working with Brian on the story, but Brian Glass is, is basically running the train. Okay. Victor Santos uh, took over the art chores once I started working at Valve. I couldn't, you know, do monthly book anymore. And uh, and Victor has been doing an amazing job, and our, our colorist has been uh, uh, kicking lots of butt. Great. And it ships regularly on a monthly basis, and that's that's what's great about the series. Absolutely. So another new thing that came out this week is Takio. Do you want to talk mm. a little bit about that? I mean, this this show, I'm here today with my kids. During this uh, con, actually, I've been talking to quite a few creators who are doing some kind of family-driven stuff, and it was cool to see this. You know, I love the edgier stuff from you and Brian, but it was cool to see a, kind of a, a family book as well. What was interesting about it is we didn't set out to do it. It wasn't like we sat down and said, let's, let's figure out how to do an all-ages book. It literally just came about uh, Taki, my wife, Taki Soma, and Brian's daughter are just very close. So, so we go down there and hang out, and they have this sort of kismet thing happening. Like it's, I don't know. They have a great relationship. And uh, Olivia just started making up a story and saying, hey, we should do a comic of this. We should be like sisters and stuff. And, and it just grew out of that. We're like, okay, let's do it. And it never <laughs> occurred to us we were doing all-ages comic. Uh-huh. We were just doing the comic you know, naturally as we saw fit and it wasn't until it really kind of came together when we were pitching to Marvel that we're like oh crap yeah this is an all ages thing and stuff and we're really really proud of it it's been a big family 
project, and that's been great. That's I mean, I'm drawing my family, I'm drawing Brian's family, even the Powers family, you know, using the same colorists and everything. So it's, it's, it's been awesome. Well, that's really cool, you know, have something like that that's made with love. That's a, that's a good thing. Made with love, exactly. Yeah, cool. <laughs> okay, well, one last question. We always ask all of our guests on the Bone Bat Show, what's pissing you off these days? Unused talent, I guess. <laughs> I see a lot of great artists and writers who, uh, you know, have the kind of talent that I wish I could have and, you know, just seeing them not produce work being lazy and all like that <laughs> alright man well yeah. as always it was great to catch up with you and thanks okay. for giving us a few minutes here thanks. at Emerald City Comic Con thank you very much so I guess it's time for filthy jokes hooray filthy jokes shall I go first, go first this time yeah sure yeah. so this 85 year old man and his wife decide to take a road trip and she's doing the driving because she has the better eyesight and he's riding shotgun because he has the better hearing so after traveling for a while, they end up getting pulled over by a state trooper. She rolls down her window, and the cop says, I need to see your driver's license and vehicle registration, please. The woman turns to her husband and shouts, What did he say? And the husband replies, He wants your driver's license and your registration. Oh! So the old woman hands the documents to the policeman. He looks it over, and after studying it for a minute, he says, Oh, you're from Chicago. I've been there. Actually, the worst piece of ass I ever had was in Chicago. The woman turns to the husband and shouts, What did he say? And the husband replies, He says he knows you. <laughs> That's funny, but I thought you were going to say, He says he knows your mother. <laughs> that would have been good. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. You, you made me laugh this time. Oh, good. I'm not like staring slack-jawed at the microphone. Going, yeah, I've been swinging and missing the up. last couple. I, had felt like, I kind of felt like I had to redeem myself. Thank God. Joe wanted to buy a new motorcycle. And he, he doesn't, he's been looking around for one that he can afford but is in good condition. And he doesn't have a lot of luck until he, he comes across this Harley with the for sale sign on it. It's 10 years old and it's shiny. It's in absolute mint condition. So he buys it and he, he asks the seller, he's like, how have you kept this bike in such great shape for 10 years? It looks like it just rolled off the lot. Guy goes, well, it's quite simple, really. Whenever the bike is outside and it's going to rain, I rub Vaseline all over the chrome and it protects it from the rain. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, here's the keys to the bike and here's a jar of Vaseline. So Joe's pretty psyched. And that night, his girlfriend invites him over to meet his parents. I mean, he's on an absolute roll. He finally got the bike of his dreams and he's going to meet his girlfriend's parents for the first time. He knows things are getting serious. So... Throws her on the bike and they, they ride over there. And just before they enter the house, she turns to him and she says, Look, I got to tell you something about my family before we go in. When we eat dinner, we don't talk. In fact, the first person who says anything during dinner has to do the dishes. And I was like, All right, you know, no problem. And in they go. So they walk in and he is shocked at what he sees. Right smack in the middle of the living room is this giant, horrific, smelly pile of filthy dishes. The kitchen has another stack of dishes. And the dishes are everywhere. They're piled up the stairs. They're in the hall. Everywhere he looks, dirty dishes. So they sit down to dinner. Sure enough, nobody says a word. As dinner progresses, Joe, he's like, he's on a roll, right? He decides to take advantage of the situation. So he leans over and he kisses his girlfriend, like... Like, deep kissed, like with tongue. No one says a word. So he looks around, 
decides he's going to go a step further, reaches out and he starts fondling her breasts. Nobody says a word. So then he stands up, grabs her, tears off her clothes, throws her on the table, and just bends her over and screws her right there, right in front of her parents. Now, Storefront's a little flustered. Her dad is completely livid. Her mom is horrified. Nobody says a word. So he looks over at her mom. He's like, you know what? I'm on a roll. I'm going to work this. So he grabs the mom. Deep kissing. Followed by some fondling. Followed by, that's right, pulling down the panties, banging her right there on the dinner table. And she absolutely loves it. So now his girlfriend is mad. The dad is furious. The mom is beaming with pleasure. And it's still completely silent. Then all of a sudden, there's this huge clap of thunder. It shakes the room and it starts to rain. So Joey remembers he's got this new bike. He pulls out the jar of Vaseline from his pocket. And all of a sudden, the father shouts, I'll do the fucking dishes. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is better. <laughs> all right, so thank yous. First off, I'd like to thank Whitey Cracker for the time and the music. Of course, you can find his stuff at whiteycracker.com. How do you spell that? Y-T-C-R-A-C-K-E-R.com. Yes. Pick up Space Mission, man. It's a great CD. Also, I'd like to thank from Comic-Con, John Lehman of Chew, Doug Tenapple of Black Cherry, Creature Tech, all kinds of cool stuff. Ben Templesmith of Wormwood and Fell. Mark Wade of Irredeemable and Incorruptible. And, of course, Michael Avon Oming from Powers for spending a few minutes talking to me. I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate your time. And finally, thanks to Dusty Peterson, who did the badass sketch for this episode. Go to the website. If you download this from iTunes, you're going to want to see this. Go to the site. It is awesome. Thanks, Dusty. Our usual bullshit. Our usual bullshit. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> My voice is changing. Our show number is 425-296-6557, or you can reach the show through email at steve at bonehand.com. We have new content at bonehand.com every Sunday, including the heavy half hour, which you should not miss. Latest episode features guest host Mike from the Cadaver Lab. He played a whole bunch of punk from Salt Lake City, some local stuff, and some of his own metal favorites. It's a great show. I think you'll like it. Check it out. And you can find my comics, my cartoons such as they are, every week, every Thursday at MightyWombat.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Mighty underscore Wombat, and that's the only way you can follow. <laughs> you can follow me over there as well. I am Bonehand, or there's also a Bonebat Show feed on Twitter. Or we have a Facebook group if you want to be notified whenever a new show comes out. So there's that. And, yeah. of course, if you like what we do, please tell a friend. All right, and thank you for listening. We're going to close out tonight with a tune from Serious Business by Whitey Cracker. This is called... I am a pirate. I am a pirate. <laughs> I am a... I am a... I am a pirate. I am a, I am a, did I steal your thunder there? I you am a... lock the plank. Smoking the dank. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. Uh, you know, I was at the store buying my groceries... Bought my groceries, got my change, and the woman behind the counter said, you have a good one. And I almost said, yes, I do. <laughs> but I didn't. Well, you can do it here. bit of self-control.
it's 3 a.m. Sipping on a bowl and chewing on pizza. Getting these ways down nerd like preacher. I know where's load up, cease to meet ya. Who the fuck in here with the gangster features? Yeah, that's me, that's a nerd like preacher. I'll delete ya. Coming on my internet, disrespecting, please, I'll eat ya. Fuck these, I'm ducking. Shit, this road reduced to nothing. Torrent stuffing. Fake these up on easy D's. Them hobby buzz and a fan in the back. With a new box, smash that stack. Pop that bitch, double your seats, that. Got a code as a load, as an ad, new Batman, tell us in our chat. Top sight, tighter, loaded, emoted, kernel noted, cracks, I wrote it. Key jam, got a pan, take down, man, said sand, cause the copy paste is frozen. Just a day in the life of a pirate, what you know about the hot new virus? Got a day, just kick some private. See, not new Molly Cyrus. I'm a rapper, I feel music. Got a server, I abuse it. Some say I'm a top gun, drop some bombs on a track, cause I'm Tom Cruise it. MP, definitely, I'm a sick MC, got a coup in the news. Spam tech on attack on a mic, it's a rap, so get up and cop that fools. I am a pirate. I am a, I am a, I am a pirate. You walk the plank. I am a pirate. I am a, I am a, I am a pirate. Smoke and I drank. I'm fixated on the board to get it ready, getting faded, making pages. Ages pass and grab mask, get your wares and a hash grab pipes and blast. Master Mason in the making, making bacon, watch me go and hack and fake them. They don't have the means to make it happen, hack a box and keep a rapping. First the shot to rapping, I'm the captain, man the master rapping fast. Shoot the cannon, that's the plan, and I'ma hit the island, I'ma grab the stash. Pirate, I'm firing, must get the socket, power set up on the box to block it. Little rudimentary, but it's on a bit of seat, so it ain't even fair to knock it. Skills are hold, I'm boning out, if I ever catch a Whip, whip, whip. The FBI up on my hard drive, just press control, our shift. DOD write my desk, where's movies and anti gifts? It's clean, unanimous. All these peas I'm spamming with, I'm a spamming list. Burns up like cannabis. Side level ratio, yeah, I hate to go, but the fans never late to go. Always on time when it comes time to bust hackers and crackers on tracks, you know. I'm the sky, but all the matters is we get away. Yo, oh, oh, with a bottle of rum and the pirates here to stay. I am a pirate. I am a, I am a, I am a pirate. You walk the plank. I am a pirate. I am a, I am a, I am a pirate. Smoke and I drink. Smoke, drink, hack a computer. Drink, smoke, first person shooter. Smoke, drink, hack a computer. Drink, smoke, first person shooter. Grr, ah, I'm angry, the world's going to end. Just fuck. <laughs>